I'm sitting here with uh, Gregory Foss, Mr. Greg Foss. Everybody knows him from Twitter. Hi, Greg. Hey, how's it going? How is it going with you? Um, we're, we're sitting here in Bulgaria right now. This yeah. is October in 2022. We've been spending the last couple of days uh, on the road talking about Bitcoin. Are you getting um, Are you getting bored of Bitcoin by now? Never get bored of Bitcoin. Uh, in fact, I'm getting more excited uh, with it as the, as our trip progresses. Um, some great people we met in Amsterdam. And then, uh, to, you know, Bulgaria has just been amazing. And after this, you're going to Edinburgh. And then then you're going back to, the, to America, right? Uh, back to America, but back to Canada to be exact. And then quickly thereafter uh, on... Uh, to Swan Bitcoin in uh, Los Angeles, and then right after that, to El Salvador. So you're basically just, you know, on the constant Bitcoin trip. You know what? Uh, it's weird. There's there, it. It goes in ebbs and flows. But uh, yeah, this has been a busy one. This will be uh, the busiest, uh, the busiest uh, couple of you know, say a month and a half that I've uh, encountered. I I don't think I've ever asked you how how did you get into Bitcoin anyway. Oh, great question. Um, so to be honest, I found Bitcoin in 2016, but I think I'd been searching for it since uh, the beginning of my career in finance. I, uh, I started, I, I came back to Canada. I was going to school in the US and I came back to Canada and I worked at Canada's, or I was hired to work at Canada's largest financial institution, which at the time and still is Royal Bank of Canada. And I was working for, uh, directly for the CFO And it was right at the time of the Latin American debt crisis. And so Royal Bank of Canada, like every other money center bank in North America, was dealing with some uh, defaulted debt from LDC countries. Now, LDC st stands for Lesser Developed Country Debt, but most of it in the case of uh, uh, the Royal Bank of Canada, and I believe this to be the case for all Wall Street and uh, Uh, global money center banks, w the loans were made to uh, Latin America. So Mexico was a big one. And the project I had to look at was uh, the Brady Bond solution for Mexico that had been pr proposed by Treasury Secretary Nicholas Brady in 1989. And it was a solution for all commercial banks. Now, before I started looking at the particular solution to Mexico, I decided to do a back of the envelope Uh, evaluation of the entire uh, portfolio of Royal Bank's uh, Latin American debt. And very quickly, Nico, um, I was able to determine that Royal Bank was insolvent, which is to say if you had marked to market the total value of their loans down from 100 cents on the dollar down to the trading price of their loans, you have to write that loss off against the book value of equity. And in doing so, if you had done that accounting uh, adjustment, then book value of equity of Royal Bank of Canada was negative, the definition of insolvent. But this is like almost 45 years ago. There You're we go. Now, this is important, though, because here's the, here's the thing. I went to the CFO and a really nice guy, but let's be honest, you know, in his best interest, I said, Emil, we have a big problem, meaning the Royal Bank has a big problem. And Emil looked at me right in the eyes and he said, I know, don't tell anybody. And so when you asked me, uh, you know, how I found Bitcoin, this was 1989. It was my first job at a school. 
I basically looked at myself and I said, oh my God, I've just spent six years in school to learn that the banking system in North America, as well as the global banking system is uh, built on sand. You know, the fiat system is a, uh, uh, well, I'll say it in today's day, it's a Ponzi. And I wasn't quite as committed at that time. Certainly I couldn't go out and docks the Royal Bank of Canada you know I would have been a 24 year old kid with no future in finance if I had tried to whistleblow and by the way who would believe a 24 year old kid anyway right so but you and then, and then you spend the next 30 years in that job right and in this Correct. world I was in that job uh, always questioning but never understanding the solution I never became a gold bug a heavy gold bug per se Uh, but always in the back of my mind, I questioned the fiat, uh, the fiat system. And then so I went through four, four financial crises in total, starting with Latin American debt in 2000, uh, sorry, in 1989. And then the next one was long-term capital management 10 years later, 1999. And then almost 10 years after that, it's neat, eh? 10 year cycles, uh, 2009 was the great financial crisis. And then 10 years after that was COVID. Now, all of those financial crises, there is a measure of truth when I say the banking system was bankrupt. It's just a function of the reality that the banking system is way over levered to its uh, equity capital base, or in other words, its risk absorbing capital base. So those cycles led me to believe, you know, we are... uh, in a, in a countdown to the final, uh, let's say, face down or showdown, because each successive financial crisis transferred more of the debt from the financial system, basically kicked it up a notch into the government coffers to the responsibility of the governments to cover the, uh, the shortfall. And Uh, it's become very scary, uh, given that, uh, you know, I believe it's inevitable now that the acceleration of the debt crisis or the debt spiral, in other words, will uh, will accelerate to a point where I'm almost certain it won't be another 10 years before we have our next financial crisis. And in fact, uh, given the uh, macroeconomic pressures in the world today, you may argue, I certainly may, w- would be able to argue that we're on the verge of another uh, financial calamity right now. I mean, it's there's people arguing about are we going to a recession, recession, depression, whatever. Is it even the recession, you know? And I think it's funny because we have a war in Europe. We have extremely high inflation that uh-huh. is completely coming by surprise, that is basically changing everything. Uh-huh. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, or like months ago, Inflation was too low, right? Okay. And now people are talking about entrenched inflation expectations, right? right? It's, it's, so, so things change really quickly. But um, before we come to like the now, let's talk about the past one more time. Sure. You said you you didn't become a gold bug. This is interesting. So did mm-hmm. you did you look into like the monetary system at all? Or not did you- as not as in depth as I should have. I guess what I figured was uh, well, there's two things, and let's let's be honest. When you're a young man. Uh, I had financial responsibilities, uh, including uh, a wife who wanted to own a house and uh, and the like. And so, uh, on on two fronts, it's not like I'm going to shout or call out the financial institution to, with whom I work. I, that would be a surefire uh, way of getting uh, uh, released. But the other thing is, the danger is that. Uh, I, I didn't see the system for what it was, right? Again, when you're 24, 
as I was in uh, 1989. I guess I was 25 to be exact. But you really don't know what you don't know. And then you, you stay in the business for long enough. You begin to accept it. Okay, it is what it is, but it's it's certainly not something that's front and center. Uh, the great financial crisis of 2008 was certainly scary. Um, I came out of the great financial crisis with, uh, we had made some very profitable trades, but it was almost like I didn't feel uh, content. It was almost like I felt like I was, uh, a beneficiary of a system that causes a whole bunch of other people pain, right? So um, I guess your question was, I didn't become a gold bug for a number of reasons. Firstly, I did purchase a house and that was a financial uh, investment that, that caused, a, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to use the word burden. It wasn't an unnecessary burden, but uh, my uh, investing uh, activities outside of, trying to pay down the mortgage of the house were limited to uh, RRSPs, which stands in Canada for uh, registered retirement savings plans. And I didn't go, I certainly owned, uh, excuse me, (coughs) some gold, but I didn't go all in. It wasn't something that I dedicated my, uh, my research uh, efforts to. But, but it's in, in interesting because you you touched on something that I think is extremely... <coughs> Sorry. No problem. I, you touched on something that I think is extremely important because many Bitcoiners who mm-hmm. come from outside of, quote-unquote, the system, right? They don't understand why, why people inside the system don't do more, talk more, um, act more, like, yes. right? But the, the, the truth is incentives, right? You That's as a fair. young man, you have a wife, the kids yeah. on the way, you know, you have a career. Mm-hmm. Why, why should you, you know, like, like you said, why should you go out and say, tell people that the bank of, uh, that the Royal the bank, bank of Canada yeah. is, is insolvent? It's not, it's not in your interest because, because it's going to be worse for you than it's going to be for the bank. I, I think that's fair. Um, now, that being said, there was a little bit of uh, guilt for not doing that. I have to be honest. Um, but I'll be... Uh, as honest as I can as well. While I didn't study the gold standard or the potential gold standard as closely as I have studied the Bitcoin solution in the here and now, so let's say back uh, 10, 15 years, um, my focus was trading credit. And you see the system and you feel you can take advantage of uh, shortfalls in the system where the solutions are you can be uh, you know, short certain areas of the of the existing system rather than having to jump out outside of the box. Um, gold investors in Canada, and I believe gold investors globally are a, a pretty, uh, you know, uh, interesting group, right? They're, I guess they, they, were, they were the precursors to the Bitcoin toxic maximalists um, in that, you know, what, you don't get it? You don't get it that the world's going to end tomorrow. Uh, the reality was, though, you know, uh, gold played a role in the solutions, but never has performed up to its uh, up to its uh, potential. Perhaps because some of the market dynamics uh, don't allow, uh, you know, the paper the paper uh, portion of gold uh, markets, the unaudibility of the the commodity itself. So, I guess it's a little bit of a weak out, but I would say I never embraced. Uh, gold as the solution to the fiat Ponzi. Well, maybe because it isn't. Maybe, <laughs> maybe because because history has shown that gold will be centralized, will be controlled, um, and maybe because 
uh, especially from the from your perspective, right? Or even from the perspective of somebody who is a gold bug, because I am still partly a gold bug, right? Okay. But when you go and talk to gold bugs, they will they won't have a solution, right? Because their solution is 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 basically yes, I can protect me and my family, maybe okay. yes, but there is no systemic solution. The only systemic solution with gold depends on the government, on the state, on the central banks okay. using gold, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a hard gold standard, maybe something else. But it's not like we can build the system ourselves like we can do with Bitcoin. Okay. So that's my, my well, theory. Well, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I've never thought of it that way. It's quite an eloquent way of thinking of it. Um, they, uh, having always been a risk manager that evaluates different uh uh, stores of value, I tended to gravitate towards the real estate side of the hard asset equation rather than to gold. And let's be clear, in 2016, when I was first introduced to Bitcoin, I will admit, I regurgitated the FUD that the, I had read in the newspapers. Oh, it's got to be some sort of Ponzi. And luckily, I had the... Uh, I guess the desire, if you will, or the discipline to do some of my own research. And I found why Bitcoin is far better than that other asset that I would consider holding with discretionary funds, which was gold. Uh, I I believe Bitcoin to be far superior. Now, that's not to say that if I was to build a portfolio from scratch, I would not take my first allocation for a new allocation to bitcoin i would not take it out of the gold gold silo there's other places in the portfolio that i would uh raise cash from uh right now predominantly i would use the fixed income component of your portfolio to to raise cash bonds bonds mostly but there's people you know let's be clear there's people who have overnight they own money market funds all of those things are being debased by the fiat ponzi uh, you can't feel it initially. It's just, you know, something that happens after a year or two where you, you go out and the inflation component or the uh, reality that the Canadian dollar, for example, is much weaker against the U.S. dollar overall. That's, a, uh, in fact, a case where uh, the Canadian dollar hasn't performed as poorly as the rest of the global uh, currencies in the face of the U.S. dollar. But all of these things are... Uh, factors that have to go into your uh, reallocation of funds and repositioning in any portfolio, regardless of whether you're a professional, whether you are a semi-retired professional like myself, or whether you're a young kid who, you know, is saving for the future. So... Would you say that this this story from eighty eight, eighty nine, at the beginning of your career, that that you know primed you for Bitcoin? Oh, Is that it, I would agree a hundred percent. In fact, when when I I did enough work to realize, oh my god, my oh my god moment was I looked at the gentleman who was who was pitching me on it, and I said, literally, this solves the Fiat Ponzi, something that I've been looking for for over thirty years. Fix the money is brought to you by Twenty One Bitcoin. The easy way to buy, sell, save, and send Bitcoin. 21 Bitcoin is a Bitcoin-only app, not an exchange. There's no distractions. There's an individual savings plan, very low fees, first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. 
you need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss made, secure, beautiful, open source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2, fix the money. Because I think you're right. And I think it's not only you has been looking for this. Actually, the whole world has been looking for this. Have you, do you remember, like, the, of course you, you, you do, like the classic Wall Street, the Gordon Gecko movie? Sure, absolutely. There's a scene in the beginning, like, like right, I, th I think it's like the first scene where there's like this okay. old guy storming into the office. And it's like the whole country has gone to hell since Nixon went off the gold standard, <laughs> right? Um, and it's, it, it, so they're basically messaging, messaging this because, because Wall Street, this was like, like the movie, you know, the masters of the universe. Yeah. This was this was actually the peak of the Fiat Ponzi, right? Isn't this that was crazy. Yeah, this was like where greed was good. That's greed the, was the, good. The, yeah, it was. Now that what this is happening in the crypto markets, right? Okay, um, for kids, but back then this was this was for Wall Street. Mm -hmm. So um, let's go. Let's go to 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 where we where we are now. So like the Greg Falls, the Bitcoin Greg Falls, right? Okay. In 2016, you discover Bitcoin, um, and and where do we go from there? Well. I was, uh, the gentleman that introduced it to me uh, was a individual from Montreal, Canada, who I had mutual friends, but I had never met him while I lived in Montreal. I, I live in Toronto now, but uh, I lived in Montreal for the first 30 years of my life. And uh, Montreal is a fairly small community, particularly the English Montreal community. So generally you should come across people, you know, one or two degrees of separation. But fast forward to 2016, uh, through a mutual friend, I was introduced to a gentleman who wanted to start a, um, excuse me, a digital asset closed-end fund for Bitcoin that would trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange, and I loved the idea. Um, I'll admit, I probably hadn't done enough work to say not your keys, not your coins, but regardless, I felt there would be demand from. Uh, mom and pop retail, as well as small institutions in a closed end fund that would basically mimic at the time the GBTC offering in the US. Now, thanks to the CIO of, uh, of the firm, it was called 3IQ, the CIO of the firm who I helped incidentally recruit to, to bring him from a, a, another hedge fund opportunity over to uh, back to 3IQ or over to 3IQ. 3IQ succeeded in taking the Ontario Securities Commission to court to win the right to offer a closed-end mutual fund in Canada. And that was huge because that was the precursor to their spot ETF, Bitcoin ETF in Canada. And so uh, tons of money flowed in. The value of the shares went up. Uh, but I didn't see eye to eye with the management team and felt that, you know, my, my uh, funds, my scarce capital could be used at better, uh, in better uh, uses. So I sold my shares in 3IQ, that was the name of the company. And I've since invested in a power company in Canada that uh, incidentally has uh, uh, some, some Canadian based miners as off takers, Bitcoin miners. Uh, but you know, all of this is a process, Nico. Um, we, uh, you know, at the outset, it was difficult to get the approval from the Ontario Securities Commission. When we did, there was a bit of a crypto winter going on. It was 2017, 2018. But 
the beautiful thing is it, it was very well embraced by the, the, the Bitcoin community in Canada. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the fund raised, uh, you know, over $600 million, uh, which is not, you know, it's, it's a somewhat significant sum for sure. Uh, and uh, it allowed Canadians to invest in uh, Bitcoin in their registered uh, tax-deferred accounts or tax-advantaged accounts. So I, th- I think it was very f- uh, favorable to the, uh, to the U.S. population and uh, was proud to be part of that, uh, that uh, initiative. Um, all through that time, I continued to study Bitcoin, to, to think of new ways that it could be uh, implemented into the existing TradFi trad world in Canada. Um, and, you know, time flies, but... We definitely, at the company that I'm involved with now, Validus Power, we definitely have some opportunities to make some big inroads. And uh, we, we're making big big inroads already in the Bitcoin mining space, but potentially as well at, as what I would say the top of the funnel or where you have to distribute the Bitcoin that you produce or that are produced by Bitcoin miners. So that's your main, like job besides besides touring the world talking about bitcoin that's 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 your main involvement right well it is and it's you know it isn't a paying job but it's a job of passion um i i uh have dealt in in recent uh recent years with a uh a uh struggle with uh uh anxiety and depression and i just felt that not um committing to a full-time job was uh was the best way for me to be able to, f- to feel that I was traveling in the best interests of, uh, you know, what I know and how I can share, share education. And if things were meant to be, it would be the equity ownership stake in the companies that would be, that would be worth money. So the Fiat Ponzi. Yes. The fiat, I mean, you can dis- define this in many ways, but mm-hmm. you, you can go back at least 400 years if you want, you know, I to, bet you with can, the Fiat yeah. Ponzi, even, even 500 when you go to the Bank of Amsterdam, which okay. was like the precursor to the first central bank, right? Okay. So, you, and, and, and you, we're sitting here talking about, you know, this Bitcoin, the magic internet money taking down the Fiat Ponzi. Mm-hmm. And we, from, from first principles, it's totally logical. But do you realize that it's also completely insane thinking that this is going to happen? We sort of talked a little bit about that on the bus for any listeners out there. Nico and I were riding a bus today around uh, parts of Bulgaria, and that did come up. Um, There's no question we have to be careful as Bitcoiners what we wish for and what the properly orderly transformation of network, uh, let's call it network intelligence from uh, uh, a network that's based, a centralized network that's based on Uh, fiat currencies and centralized control uh, to a parallel network, an orderly transfer to a parallel network that is decentralized as well as, um, uh, you know, the solution that we feel to the, to the, to the fiat Ponzi. So it's decentralized. It is uh, most importantly, it is the solution. It is the only digital asset that offers the solution of a, fixed supply uh, with security and decentralization. Um, uh, that's why I'm bullish on Bitcoin as a hedge to the traditional finance system. But do, do, you, get, have, do you have any idea how like, this transition could look like, right? I mean, I, uh, I guess, you know, one of the things I, I, I would say just within my life of investing, um, 
you generally get the uh, the gist of things, right? But it's hard to say how the specifics work out. Um, the reason I hope it's orderly is very simply, I don't think the world is ready for to live on a Bitcoin standard just yet. So we need to, uh, I guess, be cognizant of the fact that you don't want to wish something that happens right now that would bring down the whole system. And particularly if it did bring down the system, the people that would be most impacted would be those that are less fortunate or lower on the privilege scale, if you will. Will So if the US and global economies goes quick, uh, completely off the rails, ultimately, the people that get hurt the worst are at the bottom of the social credit ladder. That doesn't make me happy. Uh, but that's been a reality up until now. Um on the positive side, I believe that we have made inroads into uh, risk analysis from both uh, a buy side and a sell side that would allow the system to at least, you know, provide a semblance of a life raft right now. It wouldn't be perfect. And that's why I'm sort of, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm sort of hoping that it's the uh, the traditional finance system survives long enough so that the more uh, a more robust fiat based system can play a role in in solving the fiat Ponzi. A fiat based system that roles that plays a role in, in so 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 what do you mean is we're not you don't see us going to a pure Bitcoin standard I, like tomorrow. Is, no, that, is that what you're saying? I don't think yeah. we'd be ready for that. Um, in fact I, I I tend to see a world, at least in the interim, where uh, Bitcoin exists in a sea of fiats that is gradually failing. You know There's there's no doubt that over time, all fiats will fail, but it doesn't happen quickly. And nor do I want it to happen quickly right now, given the fragility of the financial system. But look, there'll be hundreds of other fiats that default before the US dollar, including Canada, by the way, my home and native land, okay? Uh, it, it, I hate to say it, but I've said it before. I believe Canada will be the first G7 nation to, to default on an interest obligation. Uh, and that's not going to be good because as soon as that happens, it starts a cascade of, uh, potential debt downgrades and, uh, and, you know, people who will not roll their debt, they just want to take their money out of Canada and perhaps reinvest it in a, in another sovereign nation. But that's the difficulty that you get. So basically... This this plays into you know the the, the dollar milkshake theory even uh, Brent Johnson agree right with that, one, yeah so so one one country after the other blows up prints the money the the the, the currency goes into high or hyperinflation yeah. and everybody who can takes the money out flees into the dollar yes but there is Bitcoin so Bitcoin is basically like an additional country in cyberspace that you can flee to. I, yeah, that's true. But it's actually the most important country as well. I think if you looked at it from a purely competitive basis, if there were, if there was a trading market in Bitcoin, a Bitcoin pair, some pair that was somehow linked with the US dollar, I think that Bitcoin pair would far out, uh, outperform a regular, a regular currency. So, but you, But you're not 100% invested in Bitcoin, right? Uh, I'm not, and it's as simple as this. Firstly, uh, you know, I have three other real estate projects right now, or not projects, but three total real estate ownership in my in my family. Um, I know for sure that none of them would be easy for us to sell if we wanted to get more Bitcoin allocation. Uh, 
all three, one of them would be tough enough. Selling all three in short, in short order would be a, a very emotional time. Uh, but then it flips down to the, another thing you go is, is that I don't believe that with an asymmetric tr- return opportunity like uh, Bitcoin, that you need to have 100% exposure. In fact, I'd advise that you don't uh, because that's the definition of diversification where you can maintain a same, uh, an equivalent level of risk but enhance your return by bringing on another asset. Or the flip side is lower your level of risk and maintain the same level of return. So both of them are positive outcomes. You have to determine how you're going to how you're going to manage your risk, but the 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 perfect answer is you you p- properly adjust it from a risk adjusted basis on a, a you know price a price risk adjusted basis, but understand that information can change. Um, uh, you know, as that information changes, you're supposed to change your uh, your investment philosophy. But I advocate. People, no coiners right now, I advocate, get up to 5%. You don't have to get to, you know, 100%, certainly. And you don't even have to jump all the way to 40%. So it's a it's a, a level of comfort, uh, something I took from uh, my days of trading in the in the fixed income markets where I was trying to help develop, the, develop a high yield market in Canada. It's not like you can jam the allocation down people's throats. It's what everyone feels comfortable with. Uh, it depends on their risk makeup, and uh, it also depends on the things like liquidity. Can they? Do they have children? Are they able to put all their uh, you know liquidity and everything into Bitcoin, and then potentially be forced to sell at an inopportune time? So, do you believe that Bitcoin is binary, saying that it's either going to fail or it's going to be the most important asset currency market in the world? Okay. The way I analyze it is that way, but I don't believe that. It, it, it simplifies the mathematics if you, it is, if you uh, analyze it on a binary outcome, just one of two outcomes. But the reality is Bitcoin is a probability distribution of outcomes that could be shaped like a normal, a normal distribution of outcomes. The problem is that uh, it's not actually symmetric, and this is what's uh, the distribution is not symmetric, and that's what's exciting about Bitcoin. In other words, when you have an asymmetric upside potential, you don't have to own a hundred percent of your portfolio in Bitcoin to achieve that upside potential. That is basically what I'm saying. Is like if Bitcoin uh, turns out to be ten uh, trillion, fifty trillion, a hundred right. trillion dollar market, right? right? Then One to five percent of your portfolio will be, be just fine. It's, it's going to be just fine for you. Not just fine. It's going to be outrageously good, right? And that's that's the that's the message I try to get across to people. So, why are you not sitting here shilling Ethereum to me? Because people who come from the <laughs> investing world, yeah. people who come from the investing world, often talk about you know I can do this and that and Cardano mm-hmm. and whatever. Okay. Um, I've done my research. I listened to the very intelligent people in this in this in the space. I do appreciate the difference between centralized, centralized, and decentralized. Okay, um, and so Bitcoin is the only central decentralized solution. There's a measure of centralization with all these other protocols. Um, I will also say that the 
mathematics of Bitcoin is pure, whereas the mathematics of the other, let's call them shit coins, are impure because you don't know the fixed supply component. You can try and trust the supply component, but you also know that that could be changed at any time as well. So you trust mathematics, right? That's what, that's, that's your thing, yeah, right? That's yeah. what that you, you you go from one one stage to the others, and 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 so can you can you give me like the, the explain me like I'm five of sure. the Bitcoin mathematics? Sure. Okay, so let's examine it as a binary outcome, even though it's not. Okay, to make the math easy, um, which means there's two outcomes only, and I'm going to explain to you how I get to my upside target. Now, to be clear to the listeners, it's not a limit. It's a target price of Bitcoin. And very simply, uh, by my um, research from the Institute of In International Finance, there are 900 trillion US dollars of financial assets in the world. And that includes 400 trillion of debt, 300 trillion of real estate, 100 trillion of equities, and another 100 trillion of call it commodities and currencies, fine art, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, gold is in there also. But there's your 900 trillion, right? 400 plus 300 plus 100 plus 100. That is what I define as the total addressable market for Bitcoin. And I play a game in my head to say, is it reasonable that someday Bitcoin can capture up to 5% of that market, which I don't think is irrational at all. I think it's actually quite conservative. But why would it get 5% of that market? Well, simply because it's the most beautiful store of value that uh, humans have ever created. And as an aside, there is a potential over time, I think, that Bitcoin would replace the U.S. Treasury uh market as global reserve asset but leaving that aside what's five percent of nine trillion dollars nico you know that's 45 trillion dollars and then divide 45 trillion by the fixed supply of bitcoin which is 21 million wait wait five percent of nine trillion or 900 900 trillion i'm Ni sorry yeah, yeah, 900 okay. trillion if i mess the math up five percent of 900 trillion is 45 trillion 45 trillion divided by 21 million there's your $2 million per Bitcoin price target. Now, if we just did a binary, a binary distribution where you said 90% chance Bitcoin goes to zero and a 10% chance Bitcoin goes to 2 million. Expected value, 10% times 2 million is 200,000. 90% times zero is zero. You add the two up. That's your expected value outcome, $200,000 per Bitcoin, given a 10% chance Bitcoin goes to 2 million bucks per Bitcoin. The flip side of that is what is the price that the market, or excuse me, the odds that the market is giving you today? And incidentally, those price targets are in today's dollars. So you can compare apples to apples by saying that the market is only pricing Bitcoin at $20,000 per Bitcoin today. And if the price target is 2 million, 20,000 divided by 2 million is one in 100. It's a 1% chance that Bitcoin goes to 2 million bucks per Bitcoin. And I'm not saying I'm 100% positive it goes there, but I'm way more confident than 
so let's just let's just to understand this yeah. because this is this is going over my head. But you have been doing this for thirty years. Yeah, you said there's a one percent chance. That's what the market is saying. Oh, the okay, the I understand. Saying, okay, 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 okay. So you think the market is it's wrong? It's way wrong. It's way low, and it's like going to a horse track and knowing you've watched a, a horse train. And you know that he has a good chance of winning the race, but it's not certain. But like at this year's Kentucky Derby, the winning horse had 80 to 1 odds. And let's say you were the trainer of the horse and you're like, well, look, I know I'm not certain he's going to win, but 80 to 1 is ridiculous. So you buy that, those odds. You, have, then, you, have you ever heard of Leicester City? No. So there's there is, um, a couple of years ago in the English Premier League in uh, okay. soccer, oh, okay, right? Okay, okay, right? okay. Um, normally, this is won by by, by the, the rich clubs, yeah, the rich yeah, yeah. clubs. They're, yeah. they're financed by the oil okay. money, you know, yeah. and the, the, sometimes the Russian money. And and for a couple of years ago, Leicester City that they had odds, I think one to one thousand or something okay, like that. Okay, crazy. And they won the thing. There you go. So so there there were those guys who would who would who were like hardcore fans, and yeah. they would they would bet like fifty bucks on okay. the, on their team every uh-huh. year, right? Uh-huh. And and like a couple of weeks before it happened, yeah. Um, like the, the the betting the betting uh, the odds, companies the, lines, the, yeah, com- yeah. the companies they they called them up and said you know can we buy you, you out exactly yeah. you can might we? you might win this but yeah. they might also lose it you okay we right. buy you out yeah. yeah but not a single one of them sold well that's you know? cool so now some of them should have sold okay that's yeah. the reality of risk management yeah. some of them should t- have taken the profit but in hindsight given that they did eventually win uh, you know good on them for not selling but this is how I've always managed risk in my career is by trying to uh, give an evaluation of a of, of an outcome. Now, again, the the true distribution of outcomes for Bitcoin is not binary. It's many more. It's a continuous distribution of probabilities that, you know, goes from zero up to, you know, far higher than $2 million per Bitcoin. But let's just say the distribution or the tail risk, uh, the tail return for the, you know, $2 million to $5 million price target is very low. But it's not zero, the cumulative distribution. So you have to manage risk that way. It's, the, it's, it's always the way I've approached uh, managing risk in my portfolios. And I will say this, that Bitcoin is the best asymmetric return opportunity I've ever seen in 35 years of managing risk. But you're not, you're not sitting here because it's such a good investment opportunity. That's the thing, right? You're sitting, sitting in here. Bulgaria, or? no? Yeah, yeah. You're sitting in Bulgaria and sitting on the on the on the stages and sitting in the podcast. Yeah. You you think Bitcoin is much more than just investment? I do, I think it will change the world. I mean, I love it as a technology. I think the layer two and layer three solutions are so important to the future of the uh, of society that uh, yes, I I I believe that the uh, the reward being an increasing fiat price of Bitcoin is substantial. The bigger picture is how Bitcoin could rescue civilization as I know it, essentially. And right now, I'm quite concerned with some of the the outcomes and some of the the, the risks of the world that uh, that we face. And it's also something that we always forget is like, yes, we are concerned about our fate, right, in the Western world, because suddenly right. we feel some pain, right? Uh-huh. Um, but the idea of a hard money standard that is per- per- accessible to everybody, you know. Right now, there could be a kid in, in, in Ghana or in Nigeria yes. yeah. who turns out to be the next Jeff Bezos. But he can only turn out to be the next Jeff Bezos if he has access to honest money, if, he, yes, if, if, he, if there's any chance for him to, you know, to, to get actually yeah. paid and build something. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. So the, 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 the economic possibilities of, of a hard money standard, a global hard money standard, are absolutely mind-boggling. 
I'm excited, uh, Nico. I, I will say that, you know, having managed risk through four financial crises, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I'll repeat them for the listeners, started with Latin American debt, moved to uh, the great, fi- uh, excuse me, moved to long-term capital management in the late 90s, then came the great financial crisis in 2008 and 2009, and then to the COVID crisis, those four uh, crises, now we're facing down the barrel of the fifth one. And this fifth one could be probably termed a sovereign debt uh, crisis. Okay, yeah. um, Those five crises, at this point, I'm as nervous as I was sitting in a quasi risk chair because I don't manage money for other people. Anymore. But now you said it. Now you said it. I was waiting for the risk chair. <laughs> well, that's how I've always lived, right? For over 30 years. So I'm sitting in a risk chair and this is the most nervous I've been since 2008, 2009. I really think the, uh, the financial plumbing of the system is getting gummed up. I believe that we have some challenges at the Federal Reserve level that, uh, Don't leave me with a huge level of confidence that they are actually um, they actually know what they're doing now. With all the conspiracy theory possibilities and everything, I will admit that there is a chance that they know exactly what they're doing and they're trying to destroy the world. But let's hope that they're not as evil as that. But irrespective of what the two paths are, both paths leave lead to bitcoin okay? i just i just think that the distribution of evil and non-evil is is the same in the in the federal reserve than it is in in like the next supermarket it would have to probably be yeah. um so so the, yes there are people who want to control the whole world yeah. in an electronic prison yeah. but there are also people who will push back i hope realizing that not nobody um is going to profit not even the build the people who built the prison because they'll end up in the same prison at some point i hope so nico look i mean all i know is we can only fight the good fight as we're prepared to do um, Bitcoin give us, gives us that base to, to fight from because if we didn't have that base, I would not be as adamant at fighting for gold as the replacement of the fiat currency system. It just does not have the same characteristics, the ability to, uh, to protect uh, uh, the system, the equality of the uh, potential returns amongst anybody in the world. So I would fight this fight no matter what But I think we have an ace in our pocket, which is Bitcoin. Now, and this is already going, you're going to go to the end, but mm-hmm. you said that you thought the, the market is mispricing Bitcoin, right? Yes. So why is that? Is that like the FUD? Is it like the regulatory stuff? What, 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 intellectual, why is- intellectual laziness. Much like I was intellectually lazy in 2016, I chose to believe the narrative from mainstream media, which essentially said, you know, Bitcoin was a form of a... Uh, greater fool theory or whatever or a, a Ponzi when in fact the total opposite is true but you have to do your own research I mean when you have influential investors like Charlie Munger and uh, Warren Buffett who are revered in the in the investment investing community in the United States when they come out and disparage uh, Bitcoin certainly that's going to have an impact on most people that haven't done their own research so so here's what I see that tells me that the FUD is really there as, as pure propaganda. If you're really worried about the energy and the environment, uh-huh. right? Why are you not talking about gold mining, which is a uh, lot so dirtier? Good, and, good for you. And if, 
And if you're really worried about, about you know, illegal use and, and money laundering, why are you not talking about Monero? And if you're really worried that Bitcoin is a, is a Ponzi scheme, mm -hmm. why are you not talking about one of the gigantic Ponzi schemes in the crypto market that are actual Ponzi schemes and everybody can see it? So everything, like all the negative stuff is concentrated on Bitcoin, mm -hmm. while if the other stuff ever gets into the into the into the media it's actually mm -hmm. positive as opposed to bitcoin like we see with proof of stake and the energy right yes. so it's totally dishonest it's totally dishonest so there's two possibilities for me either either it's really like fighting it or right. which is also a possibility trying to slow it down because if it goes too quickly the we adoption, all have a, the yeah. if it goes to too quickly <clears throat> yeah. we all have a problem um okay um, I agree with both of those outcomes. Uh, into, I just have to bounce back to intellectual laziness. People, there's people who are paid not to understand Bitcoin. That's for sure. <laughs> Jamie Dimon understands Bitcoin, but he's paid not to understand it, right? He's paid to disparage it because he knows that Bitcoin will disintermediate JP Morgan. Um, then there's other people who are, uh, who are, clearly intellectually lazy that's probably you know the lion's share of people um and then you know there's other conflicted actors who either you know we're talking charlie munger and warren buffett who own too many financial stocks so that they you know could not possibly incentives incentive correct let's let's look at other people who might be uh incented not to see it exceed our you know, again, intellectually lazy uh, climate, uh, concerned climate investors who would say, oh, my God, you know, the Bitcoin uh, power. We know the f that that's a FUD, but again, it's an easy narrative for them to embrace. So, you know, you, you come here to Bulgaria. I do the same thing um, when I'm here. Uh, I I. I'm here because I believe Bitcoin will be a solution. And let's be honest, it doesn't have to be for me. Um, I'm close to 60 years old. Uh, I've done okay in the Fiat Ponzi in my life. But this is for my kids, for the kids of the world. Uh, my children, but also children of less privileged nations. Uh, you know, you and I met Obi uh, Nuoso at, uh, at, in Amsterdam doing extremely cool stuff for Fetty Mint within Africa. Um, I'm just uh, excited to be part of a Bitcoin community who uh, we're rowing in the same direction because it's good for the future. Um, it's good for the cl uh, climate. It's good for the future. It's good for banking. It's good risk management. All of the boxes that, that can lead us to a more prosperous world and a better world uh, that we leave than when we when we came into that world. I almost want to let you go on that because that is that is great and and <laughs> I I feel exactly the same way. It's great to be involved in Bitcoin and 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 like one of the things that that makes me, um, you know, gives me confidence is also that you see people from all around the world, yeah, of all ages, sizes, and backgrounds just coming into Bitcoin and to seeing something there. Um, so what was your moment like that the final the final moment with the Fiat Ponzi, your, your job. and because, yeah. because I'm asking this because of one thing, incentives, right? We started with your incentive back then when you were a, okay. a young guy um, working for the banks, right? Yeah. And, then, and Jamie Dimon has incentives and, and um, Charlie Munger has incentives, yeah. right? So because the thing is, if you 
if you entertain the possibility that the Bitcoin is right, you have to be able to basically question everything about your life. And not many people want that. That's where the intellectual laziness comes from, I okay. think. It's not just because they're lazy. It's because if you do that, then you have to question everything. And you're going to be one of those crazy guys rambling uh -huh. on about Bitcoin while everybody just wants to talk about uh, the football. Or, sure. you, know? you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> one of the things about the Bitcoin community is it's a community of givers. Uh, it tries to... Uh, uh, even out the inequalities that are in the world. Um, having worked on Wall Street myself, I can categorically say that probably 99% of Wall Streeters are takers, whereas... Uh, fiat mindset. Fiat mindset versus Bitcoiners. I'd say easily 85% of Bitcoiners that I've met are givers. Um, we want to do... Again, we want to leave the world in a better spot than when we arrived. Uh, right now, we're not going down that path. Um, we are in a dangerous spot. So the solution is Bitcoin. But we're trying to educate the world as to why that is the case. Uh, but my aha moment really continues to build with my exposure to this uh, to this beautiful asset uh, come on, you and I were in Amsterdam and I just had a blast meeting these new people that were, that, that came, that are coming into our ecosystem. And these are smart people. Okay. Uh, same thing here in Bulgaria. Y you know, yesterday, wasn't it amazing to see all these, uh, uh you know, this is the uh, middle of October, but, uh, we saw some, uh, literally hundreds of Bulgarian Bitcoiners who just were on, on the edge of their seat for every, every word from the likes of Jeff Booth and yourself. And all I will say is, you know, it gives you uh, a sense of purpose. And yeah. I, I struggled. I, I've mentioned this at uh, Bitcoin Miami. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say this. I struggled with uh, some very serious uh, mental uh, challenges, mental uh, illness challenges during COVID. And I think that Bitcoin was a big uh, component of me coming out of that uh, uh, dark, that dark period. Um, I just want to do good because I want to give back to a world that I think has treated me very well. And I think the solution is Bitcoin. Um, in fact, I know the solution is Bitcoin and I'm just committed to help, uh, to help promote that. Wonderful. Greg, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, how can we follow you? How can we reach you? Oh, you know, I have a presence on Twitter, which I think is quite funny. A 60 year old, uh, fat white guy that, uh, has, a few followers. So my Twitter handle is Foss, Greg Foss, F-O-S-S-G-R-E-G-F-O-S-S. -S -S. And I try and just promote uh, some of my experience in the markets, uh, whether, you know, it's always got a risk analysis and mathematics bent to it. Um, math is the base layer of language, people. Uh, don't overthink it. It's quite simple. Grade 11 math, the, the debt spiral, economics of fiat are very dangerous and we need that solution the solution is bitcoin greg thank you so much all right buddy thank you so much bye-bye good man thank you for more content podcasts and articles like this visit fixthemoney.substack.com